<laughs> well, it is so great to see you guys. How are you doing? Doing really well. We're doing really well. We're excited to see you guys, too. It's just wonderful. What a blessing to see all the ladies there. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything you want to tell us before we get started with uh, um, questions that I sent to you? or? Well, we do want to thank you guys for your prayers and support. and We just miss you guys so much. That's what we want to tell you. We love you guys and we miss, uh, we miss Grace, but we know we're, we're where the Lord wants us to be. So um, we're excited to be here too. Yeah, we miss you guys. It seems like you've been gone longer than seven months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was looking, you know, at all your prayer letters and things just to prepare for this. And I thought, wow, I th it seemed like they've been gone at least two years, but it hasn't been that long. And it's just, you know, I guess it's that's the hard thing about sending out the missionaries is, you know, we don't get to see you all the time. We miss you. You too. You too. Definitely. Are you making some friends there? Is that getting a little easier? I know it takes, for us, it always took at least a year to make really good friends. It's not just an easy process. Well, we've been really blessed. Um, the church that we're serving at with John Glass, um, there's some really neat believers there. And part of our goal is not only to make friends and to build relationships with the believers to practice our French, but also to to tighten up those relationships, but also to share Christ. So we've been trying to uh, also build relationships with unbelievers in our community uh, the best way that we can. So that way we can reach multiple goals of learning language, building relationships, sharing Christ, discipling, or just encouraging or being encouraged by uh, other believers as well, as much as we can find. Mm -hmm. So that's been kind of, kind of good. It's been a really wonderful experience so far. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, the thing we all love about these Skypes is we get to learn so much about you, even more than if you came to speak to us, because we get to ask questions. So we're going to go ahead and start with our questions and just ask you, um, do you want to each share about if you were raised in a believing home or not and how you came to know the Lord? Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, I was really blessed to grow up in a, a good Bible teaching church. I, you know, I used to feel like I was raised in a Christian home, but at uh, the age of 12, my parents both, uh, they divorced and um, it was a really rough road from there. But I was really uh, just blessed to grow up with um, the influence of godly believers in my life. And, um, you know, just uh, I think of one lady in particular who had a good news club that I would go to every week and uh, friends of mine who would have me stay overnight on a Saturday night so I could go with them to church on Sunday. And um, just the, you know, the faithful uh, believers who were a part of my life, even though it wasn't my parents, uh, the Lord allowed me to have that uh, as I was growing up so that I could um, just uh, grow in the Word and, and grow to know Him more and more. Mm. Now, Julia, did you mention where you grew up? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was born in Pennsylvania, in uh, outside of a city called Reading, uh, Pennsylvania, which is a little north of Philadelphia. And I grew up in a, a suburb of Reading, a small town. Okay, thanks. That just helps us to get yeah. you know figure all this out. Go ahead, James. <laughs> 
Okay, well, I, I also grew up in Reading, Pennsylvania, but I didn't know Julia uh, <laughs> until later. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. My dad was a non-practicing Lutheran, and my mom was a non-practicing Catholic, so we never went to church, but we were taught a little bit about God, and I prayed every day. Uh, and in fact, when I was younger, I, I used to say, I wish there was a book that I could know God because I knew about Jesus, but I was surrounded by so many different cults and religions in my public high school that I didn't know what was the truth. So I thought, I'm just going to call myself a Christian and be a nice guy because I believed in Jesus, but I hadn't trusted in him yet. Then after high school, I thought I could control my life, but I found out that I'm not in control. And my sister became a Christian. And she asked me how I was going to get to heaven. And I said, well, gee, Dawn, I'm a nice guy. I'm going to heaven. And then she said to me, James, nice guys go to hell without trusting in Christ. And then she was praying for me like every day. And I could really feel that battle. And she says, you got to start reading this Bible. And I was fighting it. I didn't want to read it. I wanted to do my own thing. But the Lord broke me. And the way that he did it, too, was... Uh, her church and, and her were praying that one of my friends would pick up the Bible to get me interested. And after they prayed that, I didn't know about it. One of my wildest friends picks up the Bible and says, James, you got to start reading this. God's wiping people out because he started in the Old Testament. <laughs> so I started to get a little scared when I thought, like, nice guys go to hell without trusting in Jesus. So I started to read the, the Bible in the Old Testament. I saw God's judgment and I took up one of her invitations to church one day, and I just saw the love of Christ through the church and through the people there. And I already believed in Jesus, but I have not yet trusted in him. And before I used to compare myself to people who did things worse, but now I compared myself to Christ and seen that I was a sinner, and I'm a sinner in need of Christ, and I understood that's why he died on the cross. And after that day, I gave my life to Christ, and my life changed dramatically as I read the Bible. My eyes were being opened and life changed since then. Now, uh, we know that you were a missionary even before you met Julia in France. So would you just go ahead and tell us right now, what brought you to France? Why did you have a heart for missions? Well, uh, I changed professions. When I came to know the Lord, I quit my job and went to a Bible college and through short-term missions trips there through Moody Bible Institute. I was all over. I was in Israel. I was in Europe. I was in Bosnia. Um, the Lord really showed me a need uh, for uh, Christians in, in, in the far land. So the Lord directed my heart first to, to missions because the people, so many people had little or no access to the gospel. And there were so many people pleading, send missionaries here, send people here. And uh, when I was praying through it, um, I, I, I finally kind of saw that some missionaries said that um, uh, just Western countries are not always evangelized. In other words, if you see people dress normal, like normal, like Westerners, and you, that doesn't mean that they're evangelized, that they have Christ. And I was really touched when I was in Europe by the number of people who had little or no access to the gospel at all or the truth of Christ. So. And I wanted to work with Muslims as well. Um, so the Lord, after much prayer and counsel, um, directed me to uh, go to France, where I could work with all people groups. I could work with French, uh, Muslims, and people from all over the world because it's so diverse here. And this is a Western, needy country. I used to think before I had to go to like Saudi Arabia before to reach unreached people groups. But wow, here in Europe, I could go, and I know that I could adjust probably a little better. So at the year 2000, uh, after I graduated, I 
came out and uh, I joined a mission agency. And from 2000 to 2004, I lived in France. I lived in Marseille for three of those four years uh, in a North African Islamic Algerian neighborhood. And many of you are re reading a lot of things that are going on in the news, but that's where I lived in my apartment. I had mosques and a fundamental bookstore. So I ran into all kinds of Muslims and it was a great experience as well as being able to share with the French. So I noticed that just everybody in France is in need of Christ. Um, so that's what really, God really called me and touched my heart um, to, to, for missions. And that's kind of how he led me there from 2000 to 2004. All right. Well, how did you meet your beautiful wife? <laughs> well, after 2004, I was taking my first uh, furlough, and I, there were churches, because I was single for a long time, <laughs> um, going to Bible college. I just wanted to study, doing evangelism and ministry. I was really focused then. and uh, But as I was on the mission field, I thought, you know what? I could really use a godly helper. <laughs> I'm not a Superman Christian. You know, I need I need a, a helpmate. And so there were churches and people, and many people pray, and for years, but I waited on the Lord, and when I came home on furlough, you know, God answered that prayer. I was helping out one of my supporting churches in their singles group. Uh, I was helping out the uh, leader there, and uh, that's when I met Julia. And uh, yeah, we went yeah. ahead. I was part of the singles group, so we were able to get to know each other over the course of a year or so. Bible studies and yeah. group events, and it was a huge blessing. Yeah. And I'm a little slow. We were friends at first. And I'm like, man, she's going to make someone a, god a godly wife. <laughs> but, you know, finally the God, you know, knocked on my head a little bit and shook me up and yeah, kind of opened my eyes. <laughs> Us guys are slow sometimes. <laughs> Julia, what did you think of James? Were you interested in possibly marrying a guy who is so on fire for the Lord and and, you know, probably going back to the mission field. How, how were you thinking about all that? Yeah, you know, I, it's something that I hadn't necessarily considered marrying a missionary. It's not something that I thought about before knowing James. But, um, you know, I remember kind of the same thing as we were getting to know each other. I thought, man, he needs a wife. And, you know, what a godly guy he is. And, um you know, I had no idea that I would be that wife and just, uh, you know, I was really encouraged by, <laughs> by the blessing of his friendship. And, you know, he would ask how he could pray for me he just was so intentional. I thought, wow, that, you know, Lord, that's the kind of husband that I want. I want a man who's going to, um, be concerned about, you know, what's going on in my life and how I'm doing spiritually and lead me. And, um, so yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if that answers that, but <clears throat> well, that's great. Um, did you answer though? Were you willing to go overseas, or had you not really thought about that? Or you know, I hadn't thought about it necessarily for myself, but I just knew that um, as we grew closer as friends, and uh, you know, I was waiting on the Lord for Him to pursue me, um, and I just. Uh, I thought, you know, this is, it's, it's radical. It's something different from what I was pursuing. I was in graduate school and I was working and I wasn't at peace with where I was at. I knew that the Lord had something else for me, but I didn't know what it was at the time. And so I just, 
you know, like Sarah followed Abraham, I felt like, you know, if this is the man that the Lord has brought for me to be my husband, I'm going to follow him. What a good attitude. (laughs) (laughs) So how long have you guys been married then? Uh, A little over nine years. And your oldest is going to be eight in just a few days, right? Yeah, next week. Okay, so you had a a year together, and then you started your family, and God blessed you. Three wonderful boys. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your boys? Sure, sure. Elijah uh, is our oldest, and as you mentioned, he'll be eight on the 20th of this month, and he keeps reminding us of that. (laughs) Um, And um, we have our second-born son is William, and he will be five in February. And our third son is Wesley, and he will be two in March. Um, And I'm homeschooling Elijah. He's uh, second grade and, um, you know, starting to read chapter books and, you know, things like that and um, growing and uh, has a real sweet, sensitive uh, personality. Um, but a lot of energy and, um, <laughs> William also has a lot of energy um, and, uh, it's neat to see we've been praying for him and he's been, uh, just softening a little bit mm-hmm. in his heart. We're seeing mm-hmm. him become a little more sensitive and, and, uh, towards things of the Lord and which is really encouraging. And, um, so I'm doing preschool with him this year and, uh, Wesley, he's just a, a lot of energy and. He doesn't sleep very much, but he's a blessing. Yeah. So, James, your life has totally changed in the last 10 years. You were, you know, a single guy just ministering, you know, probably had a lot of ramen noodles for lunch and, you know, I don't know, things like that. And now you have a, a beautiful wife and three handsome, young, healthy boys and what do you guys appreciate most in each other? I mean, I'm sure with all the boys, you know, the boys and language learning and just the busy life you have now with ministry also, you know, you it's like a team, right? You have to depend on each other. And what what do you really look to each other for and really appreciate in one another? Wow. You want to answer that first or you want me to go? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Well, there, there's like so much. I can't even begin to list. You know, we're just... This has been a wonderful nine and a half years, even 10 years since I've known her. Um, she's just such a blessing all around. I just appreciate um, Julian in so many ways. She, I appreciate her love. Uh, she just cares for us. She, you can really see that she loves us, and I really love her. And we just get we're like-minded. We're just like best friends. Uh, it's just wonderful. I mean, I just am so grateful that uh, I wouldn't want to be doing this with uh, – Anyone, and even before, I wouldn't want to be doing it by myself again now that I have such a wonderful wife. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I think um, the thing that I appreciate most is um, just James's godly leadership and example, because as we're raising three boys, um, they see his daily dedication to the Word and to uh, working hard and um, just setting that example in our home. And, um, I think that's huge, you know, and, and even in our marriage, uh, the boys see that, uh, James loves me and most of all, he loves Jesus. 
more than anything else. And it's such a beautiful thing to see lived out. And, um, you know, I, I know I've talked with ladies in the past who have trouble submitting and they don't like that word, you know, submitting to their husbands and, uh, you know, submission in, in a godly marriage is just one of the most beautiful things. I, I love that I can submit to my husband knowing that he is faithfully following the Lord. What a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking in our small group this morning before mindset, just what a blessing a godly husband is. And, you know, the Lord is so good to us to give us families and, you know, there's so much to just to be thankful for when we look around. Um, Anyway, so let's move on to life in France. Uh, you've been there about seven months now, and I'm sure that the first thing you notice, Julia, is just everything that's different from what you were accustomed to in the States. James, you're used to it, so you probably, maybe it doesn't phase you as much because you were there already, but do you want to share, you know, we call it, um, what do we call it? cultural shock, culture shock. That's what we call it. Um, just tell us what kind of culture shocks have you had? Not that the French culture is worse in any way, but it's different. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's funny. There's, uh, we've, uh, grown accustomed to saying, uh, a phrase that we learned from John Glass. It's not bad. It's just different. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of things that are different. Um, we were talking about it actually before, uh, before you called here. And uh, it's funny how, you know, you, you uh, are so accustomed to certain things like grocery stores being open 24 hours. Um, you know, you, you run out of something, you can just go get it. Um, things being available year round, Walmart, Target, superstores. And, um, you know, here, if you miss, uh, for example, if, if it's like two o'clock in the afternoon and you're running late for lunch and you've been out shopping or out traveling for some reason, you don't get to stop at a restaurant. Restaurants shut down at two o'clock and they won't open again until 7 p.m. Um, the French eat dinner very, very late. And um, so if you miss that lunchtime window, you know, you've missed it. Uh, grocery stores will shut down at 7 p.m. Some of them shut down for lunch. Um, mm. There, are, we were talking about seasonal things, even like if if you don't buy something right away <laughs> when it's available, it's gone. You won't be able to get it later on, uh, which is just you know, if I wanted something living in California, I could just run to the Target or run to the Walmart or whatever was available and easily buy whatever we needed. We had trouble buying light bulbs. We couldn't find light bulbs in the summertime because they just weren't available, yeah. which is kind of bizarre. But, but can I share the story? Yeah, yeah, we have a <laughs> Quick funny story. Like it was like July 6th. It was so hot here and nobody has air conditioning and we don't need air conditioning, but we wanted a fan. So I, we went to the store and I asked the lady, you know, in French, I said, you know, do you have any fans left? Because last week I saw they had a whole bunch. And she looked at me and she was so shocked. She says, we don't have any fans. Nobody has fans now. And like, it's not the time for fans. And it's like July 6th in the middle of summer. And I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I didn't know how to respond to that one, you know. 
So I thought, okay, we can't get fans in the midst of a heat wave in July. <laughs> then we better think about it in the spring before it comes. So it's just little things like that are, are, are funny in a way, but in the it's intense when you're doing like all these things and trying to get things accomplished. <laughs> That's really interesting. I, I mean, we were in Russia, but I had no idea you have those problems in France. I thought, you know, for sure that would happen, but that's very interesting. Any other stories you want to share? Any other stories? Uh, what are we thinking about? I, I, I forget. <laughs> I forget. Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> There's so much going on. The challenge here is, um, you know, we're submersed in French language, so sometimes it's even hard to think English. And sometimes it's hard to speak English. So, I mean, we'll be like looking at each other. What was that word? What was that word in English? And it'll be like cat, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you feel like a child. And it's really challenging to, to, to do that. Wait till uh, you come back to the States and you're trying to talk like adults <laughs> in English. I remember that. That was hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Very yeah. humbling. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to say something? No, you just have to be willing to be uh, humbled. <laughs> <laughs> well, are there any things that you've noticed that are really positive about France that you think, wow, this is great. I'm just going to enjoy this while I'm here, you know? Yeah, do you want to go ahead? Well, you know, yeah. Uh, well, so before I touch yeah. on that, sometimes even though it's been an adjustment to have things closed at certain hours, it's kind of nice because many stores aren't aren't are not open on Sundays, and it really forces you to uh, plan ahead and have the things that you need when you need them, so that on Sunday, which can be a day of rest now, you can just be with your family or be with other people instead of, you know, running to this store and picking this up. And, you know, when a lot of people are in America, are, you know, hitting the stores and running their errands, you're forced here to take time away from that and just be with people, mm -hmm. which kind of leads yeah. into the other part about, you know, being in France. Um, you know, like meal times and, and just getting together with people or going to a cafe, everything is much slower and much longer. Um, you won't have a waiter or waitress trying to rush you out of your table um, or, or rush you to finish your meal at a restaurant uh, because that's mm -hmm. part of the culture of enjoying that meal and enjoying that time with other people. Mm -hmm. um, and even just in a, a someone's home it's kind of the same you yeah. you have this really long uh visit and yeah you talk we're, about we're in such a diverse area and france is diverse in general so a lot of the cultures like whether it's a french culture uh even uh, the arab cultures and the uh there's mexicans here there's people from all over the world and a lot of times they really love to focus on relationships and food. <laughs> so it's kind of a staple. And I'm Italian, you know, half Italian. So food and fellowship are just a wonderful thing to be ministering. And um, so they take their time in doing that to, to build relationships in that way. Uh, and even just having a cafe, you're not rushed to, if you're talking or meeting with someone, you're not rushed by a waiter. If you're just drinking a coffee, you can stay there and really get in good, deep conversations if the Lord allows during that time period. So it's a different way of living. But on the other hand, you need to be 
Uh, I need to be, we need to be open to be patient <laughs> because we want, you know, if we take, like, we can get things done like that in the States, you know, and you can move forward and everything so, works so well here. Everything's just so slow. And um, like third world administration in Italy and in France. Uh, so everything administrative is taking so much time, like getting Julia's papers and the kids and getting things right with the government and um, just to everything. So we really just have to wait on the Lord and he's teaching us patience. Yeah. <laughs> patience. So. Well, I guess we're all learning patience. That for me is one of the hardest things. I'm always working on that, it seems. Um, if, you, if you get it down, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll let you know. Um, so how about your language studies? I noticed that somewhere you even mentioned that your boys are studying French. So I thought maybe you could share with us maybe how many days a week you study and for how long and maybe even share like how much homework you have. And I know, James, you're on a different level because you've already had a lot of opportunity to practice. So just share with us what that's been like for you you all. Sure. So um, I have a tutor for me. Um, she comes once a week and um uh, over the last month, she started giving me some homework assignments. Uh, before that, it's been mostly just um, uh, very basic, uh, but she speaks to me entirely in French. And if I don't understand something, she tries to explain it more simply. Um, but I'm very grateful. The Lord has um, given me a lot of understanding uh, without a lot of study. Um so it's, it's been encouraging to work with her. Her name's Valerie. Um, in fact, one of the first, was it the first Sunday or maybe the second Sunday that we were at the church here, um, she came up to me and, and at that moment, you know, I was feeling very dizzy with French and, um, you know, I had no idea what she was saying to me, but she was really excited and speaking really fast. And I was like, oh, okay, we... Uh, you know, know what else to say, Uh, you know, and then Meg came up and, and, uh, just to let me know, like, she wants to come teach you French in your home, which is a huge answer to prayer because that's exactly what we had asked the Lord for. Mm -hmm. We had prayed that God would provide someone to come work with me one-on-one, uh, at home. And that's exactly what she's done. And so over the last, uh, I'd say, month or so, she started introducing um, some grammar homework and um, kind of uh, just uh, grammar exercises. And um, and so uh, that's been going really well. I mean, I can have a basic conversation with someone at church. I can talk with some of the other moms now about the kids or about school or basic things in my life. I can't really talk about future or past tense things, but I can stay in the present, which is encouraging. Um, so the boys, um, there, there are two ladies from the church. Um, we haven't been able to pick it up yet since the holidays, but in December, two, uh, two ladies from the church started coming um, just like once a week to do a lesson with the boys about something in French. Um, the one, the one lady that's been coming, she's been trying to teach them, um, basic greetings and how do you introduce yourself and explaining how, um, 
animals and colors, uh, which some of those things they know um, just by picking it up or by uh, doing Rosetta Stone at home. Um, and some of them are new, uh, new. And then the other gal that's been coming um, was doing lessons with them, like uh, um, like on all the body parts, the names of the body parts, and things like that, um, which is huge a huge help. And then uh, the kids go every Sunday to Sunday school at church, which is entirely in French, and they're part of a, a kids choir at the church uh, with <clears throat> most of the other kids from the church. And so that's all in French as well. So they're getting exposed, and, and then Elijah does some Rosetta Stone at home. And um, I think they're still very nervous in French, uh, maybe intimidated by it. Um, but I think that, you know, now I'm noticing Elijah has a couple of uh, friends that he's uh, getting to be buddies with at the church. And a few of those boys, they know a little bit of English, so there's kind of an exchange there where they'll say something in English, and then I think, you know, Elijah's able to say a few things. I know a few people have said, oh, yeah, I heard him speaking French. So he doesn't do it in front of me, but he's, he's saying something. <laughs> so <laughs> it'll come together. <laughs> and then you want to talk about Yeah, well, we also, we also have people over as much as possible and try to visit people as much as possible, both believers <clears throat> and unbelievers, um, and it provides great conversations to wrestle through, to try to communicate, because uh, we have to hit all areas of language learning to be submersed in it the best way we can, and especially more difficult in a Western culture than it is like in an Arab culture where you just go down, drink tea, and have conversations for the guys. Um, so we're trying to be creative in ways of trying to integrate language learning, <clears throat> relationship building, and evangelism. And Julia does a great job with hospitality ministry. She's a wonderful cook. And, you know, it, I could put on some weight if I wasn't, <laughs> you know, so. But that's been a blessing. I can see the advancement in Julia as well, which is encouraging. Before we came out here um, years ago, we went on two short-term trips. And I can see that she's very gifted <laughs> in many ways with her ear and listening and pronunciation. After the second short-term trip to France, when we went together, introducing her to some contacts, she was understanding the conversations that were going on. I was just totally blown away by that because, you know, I, I think she's going to surpass me. So I thought I'd work harder. <laughs> so. Well, that's wonderful to hear. I'm, I'm really glad that, Julia, you're doing so well and, um, that's really encouraging. You're a good cook because you're in France. So <laughs> that's God obviously gave you that gift. You need that there. So that's wonderful. Um, it's good to hear you're doing so well. James, I remember Kevin, I think the transition from speaking to uh, teaching and preaching was not always easy because in Russian, for example, the language actually changes. You don't use such a casual language. So I was kind of wondering about you. Do you have a teacher who's capable of correcting sermons and, you know, just lecture notes and things like that and able to help you in that way? And that's, that's really my biggest challenge right now because I was really well in conversation, but I knew that I'm not at the level for teaching and preaching. Totally different, as you've said. Um, right now, I'm in an immersion language program, uh, which is a school, and it's not the best environment to be able to work one-on-one -on -one like that because it's always the big class thing. So I'm getting with what I can out of the school 
and hopefully after that's done, I can get more one-on-one to work on the dynamics of that, to put together things. And any opportunity that I have to put together something uh, to teach, you know, I'm going to slide it in there. Now it's an inventive school and there's a, they really need the Lord. Uh, because when you get into their minds, you see that Christ isn't their Lord. It's more the law and they follow a false prophet, Ellen White. So, so I get in good conversations, but sometimes it's like spiritual things are like a deer in headlights for them in many areas. Uh, the professors, sometimes I can get a little deeper in spiritual conversations. So, I, you know, like I had to do a meditation, which is a devotion. So I just basically did it on John 3.16 and really hit it on faith. And I'm trying the best that I can, you know, as far as to integrate that. But it's not the environment where I can, I can learn, you know, good grammar and things which are necessary. So that will provide a base so that when I can really get deeper into doing that, I can, but that's the biggest challenge. Um, that's the hardest thing that plugging away at. And I'd really like to be doing that yesterday, but again, keep plugging away. <laughs> it will come. You just have to continue to be faithful in your studies. I know sometimes it's so discouraging. I remember some days feeling like I was talking like a three-year-old or something and making mistakes, <laughs> making mistakes while I was doing that, you know, and then other days I would be so encouraged, but I just remember, just be faithful and keep going and, you know, the Lord will bless you, you know, with your efforts. I believe, I believe he will. So um, thank you for that. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, what am I saying? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we only have a few more minutes, but I really wanted to ask you about your church. Uh, I know that you're there with the glasses, but we haven't spoken to them for a while. So if you would tell us about the church and how many people are there. And I know it's an international church, right? So maybe explain why it's an international church and, you know, anything else you want to share about the church. Okay, I'll start. Well, we live in France, but the church is in Geneva, so we're right next door to Geneva. Switzerland. I'm sorry, Switzerland. Well, Geneva, Switzerland. Now, it's a French-speaking church, so there are people from all over the world. There are over 20 different nationalities there. There's there's German, there's French, there's North African, um, Romanian. I mean, you can imagine. People from Venezuela. Yeah. People from Mexico. Mexico, yeah. But the common, and even China. We we went to a Chinese family's home. Um, But the common language is French, and everything's done in French, which is a blessing too, because Geneva is French-speaking side of Switzerland. And there are even French people in that church as well. Uh, How many people would you say are there about? uh, Uh, Maybe a hundred yeah, maybe about 100. 100, 100 people that are there at the church. And the church has been such a blessing. Uh, we're just, we love the elders that are there. Um, we went over to dinner and had them over to our house. Um, and it was so amazing when we first got here. Uh, it was a rough trip traveling with three little boys on the plane when we first got here. You know, we've seen the Lord like provide everything we need because we're pushing all this luggage. We bought practically everything we have except what else is what else is in their garage, the more garage. <laughs> we bought everything we had and it's like, how are we gonna get this over there? <laughs> you know, 
through customs, you know, with just Julia and I and the three little boys, which were carrying Wesley and William at that time. And we just were up like for 48 hours, you know, because it was been a rough preparing, you know, and the Lord just provided some guy to lend me. I didn't have a Swiss franc and I needed for a cart. So the Lord provided somebody just to say, hey, you need a franc? You know, sure, you know, and I got, we got a cart and we didn't know how to push it. And then there was somebody else that. The, yeah, yeah so is, a Swiss man came along uh, and he just, asked if we brought the, the sink and, and. The kitchen you know, sink, yeah. Did you bring started, the kitchen sink? <laughs> and he said, can I, can I push something for you? So he so pushed the like, cart for us. This is amazing because we're like really tired and nauseous from a long plane ride, and, you know, and, and when we, we got through and nobody even had to go through the paperwork when we went through and there's the church the people some people from the church and they're playing an accordion and they have a big sign welcome marches and it was like just like we almost like in tears because it was like whoa you know we've had a really rough trip to get here a rough like like how long has it been like seven years planning and preparation and seminary and you know we're we're here and the plane ride and, and god really just blessed us so we've been really blessed by the people at at church and the relationships we've been able to build off of uh, it's a sweet bunch of group and we'd love to see them you know grow in doctrine and sound doctrine and uh, be able to be part of that process while we're here so do you want to add anything here? um yeah, you know, it's um, it's neat because the church, they meet on a Sunday morning, and um, Sunday morning is worship service, but during the worship service then, the kids are dismissed to go to Sunday school. So there are three Sunday schools, and I mean, it's amazing because, you know, to go from the ministry at Grace to this church, this is a, a, a lovely church, and they're doing a great job, but sometimes we really miss the ministry yeah. of grace. You know, yeah. we miss Awana, we miss Sunday mornings, we miss um, Sunday nights, just everything that they provide for the children at grace. And so um, they have a, a Sunday morning, Sunday school. And uh, so it's broken up. There's a, a nursery for newborns to three, uh, but that's for the moms to stay with their children. Uh, because there's no one else to really do that. And so uh, I go there with Wesley on Sunday mornings. And then from three to seven uh, is the first age group for the Sunday school. And then from seven to 10, that's the next age group. And then from 10 to, I think it's uh, 14 Mm -hmm. is the next age group. And high schoolers stay in the service. And, um, you know, that Meg was just telling me they've just gotten enough people to volunteer so that, um, people only have to volunteer once in a month to help with the children's Sunday school, but she's in the three to seven year olds every week, um, helping with them. And, um, you know, there's no Awana program. That's something that would be really neat to see in the future kids clubs, but they do have a lot of things outside of the church. You know, there's a a young mom's group that meets once a month. There's a ladies prayer group. Uh, there's, I think there's a men's prayer, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. breakfast Mm -hmm. every month. And, um, and just to add to that, um, in France, if you have 30 people, it's a mega church. Um, so this is like super mega church having, you know, the people that we have here. And that's the, one of the things when I took a survey, um, 2012, um, I was just amazed that 
you know, there were so many French speaking people that in the church has a solid doctrinal statement. Mm -hmm. And you don't find that at all in France or even it's hard to find in Geneva, too, or anywhere in Switzerland or France or Europe that usually your churches, they're very poor on on doctrine. Um, Some aren't even good on the essentials. So this has been a blessing that we can feel uh, comfortable with the doctrine and not have to really wrestle, you know, with with really extreme cases of false or bad doctrine. Mm. Well, that's so, wonderful. That's sounds like a sounds like a great church. We're thankful that you guys are there. I know the glasses are thrilled to have you, and um, we'll we'll be praying for you. I want to ask. Do you want to share any, I have your prayer request from your prayer letter, but is there anything else that you want to just ask the ladies to to pray for you? Obviously, language acquisition would probably be one, but share whatever else you would like for us to pray for, and then we'll pray for you right afterwards. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, you know, pray, pray for um, just opportunities to share the gospel in the stage that we're in. Um, you know, it, hearts are sometimes hardened and it, it, you just pray that the Lord will soften up hearts, bring conversations, give us the words to say. I think when Paul said, pray for an open door in Colossians 4 so that they can share the gospel. And, you know, we just pray for those open doors in the process that we're in um, so that we can um, just continually plant and sow seeds. Um, and whatever the Lord has us to do. So that's a real big prayer request uh, in that way. And it's also a joyful thing. There's, it's really joyful to be able to share the gospel to people in, in great need of Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Want to share any prayer requests? Yeah. Just continue yeah. to pray for, you know, uh, yeah, just our stages. I mean, when anybody asks, what would you want us to pray for? I could give you like, two million things because <laughs> we're praying all the time <laughs> but you know to keep it short and sweet and simple um i think just uh one one thing um for godly friends for the boys mm-hmm. um because i know uh you know as i'm homeschooling and we're looking for outlets to um get them involved with other kids at the mm-hmm. church and get them to meet other kids in the community um, you know, it's going to be challenging to find believers outside of the church. And, um, it would be nice for them, um, having come from grace where they have really good friends who are from godly homes. Um, nice for them to have godly friends at the church. Yeah. And keep praying for their adjustment. Um, cause I mean, I know that Elijah, misses sparks and, uh, you know, it's kind of hard, you know, when, when you make the sacrifice, but you see your kids are making the sacrifice, but we know it's honoring to the Lord. So just pray for their adjustment as well as, as ours, please. All right. We're going to pray for you right now, then. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you so much for James and Julia and Elijah and William and Wesley, who are over there in France, um, just trying to honor you and serve you there, Lord, and um, obey you and just to be a light. And I just pray that you would bless them in their efforts. And I just pray, Lord, that you would have your hand on them and just keep them safe, Lord, in um, kind of a strange land, even though they're they're adjusting. It's still so many new things there. And we just pray that you would keep them, keep them safe and just um, have your hand on the boys and on them as they adjust and 
go through a time of um, just missing things from back in the States and even back here at church. And just pray that you would have your hand on them and bless them. And please do provide godly friends for um, for all of them, you know, the boys and then also Julia and James. And we just pray that you would bless them, Lord. What they've lost here, we just pray that you would bless them in that so that you know they would they would be able to feel at home there lord at some point to to realize that that is home for now and lord we just pray that you would give them opportunities to to share your your truth i know that they have taken so many opportunities just reading their prayer letters and hearing about the different people they've been able to share with and we thank you for that lord and we pray lord that you would work in the hearts of those people because we know that without you nothing can be done and that those hearts will stay hard. And we just pray that you would soften the hearts of the people that they have opportunity to share with. And we pray that you would provide others who would just have a desire to know more about you, that they'd be able to approach James and Julia and just to learn about your truths, Lord. We just pray um, also for the boys as they grow. We pray that you'd help them to come to know you, Lord. And to have wisdom, Lord, as as they grow in you, and um, just to have that desire also to serve you and to honor you. And we just pray that you would bless them. And if it be your will, Lord, use them. And I know that so many people told us that uh, we could be the first generation missionaries, but they thought that if our kids could return, they would do even better. And we pray that for their boys also, Lord, that you would do a work in their lives and just prepare them for whatever you would have for them. We pray also for their Italian citizenship, Lord. We just pray that that would come through and we just pray that you'd continue that um, that process to go through so that it would that it would they would be able to get the papers they need just to, to be able to stay there, Lord. We pray that um, you would continue to help them just to honor you and serve you and just to grow closer to you, Lord. We know that you are faithful just to continue to sanctify each and every one of us, and we pray that for them as well. And we pray for Alan, their their manager of the, the apartment they are renting, and um, Jean-Claude, the owner, and we pray also for their dentist, that these people would come to know you, and for their neighbors, Pierre and Helene, and Yeveline, and um, also their professors and classmates, Lord. And we just pray also that you would bless their their efforts and language. We pray that you would um, just, if it might be your will, help them to, to learn quickly so that they might be able to just be a greater witness and light for you quicker, if that's your will, Lord, we pray. And we thank you for your goodness to each and every one of us, Lord. Thank you for being such a faithful and uh, wonderful God. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Julia ran to get Wesley because he's again crying. She's coming back. Um, he cries all hours of the night for the last two years that we've known him. So, Wesley <laughs> <laughs> here keeps us up all night. You don't have to pray now, but pray that he sleeps through the night. <laughs> All right. Well, it was great to see you, David. Could you kind of pan the room so they could see all the ladies? Thanks so much for taking time to to talk with us today. It's been such a blessing to see you and to talk to you. And we'll continue to pray for you guys. We love you. We love you guys and miss you guys. And thank you so much for your prayers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Love you guys. Bye.